Gordon and Linda, that you will watch over them and, and grant them strength. And Father, that you will be with Mrs. Trent's family as well. Watch over them. Father, I ask your blessing upon those who are graduating soon and, and they're growing up and starting a new chapter in their life. I ask your blessing upon Steeler and Mason and Lucy and Blake, that you'll watch over them, Father, and, and, and guide them, Father, and watch over them. Be with each of our college graduates as well, Father, as they continue their education or they, they start in a, a new job, that you'll watch over them and, and guide them as well. Father, watch over everything that we do, and on this special day, Father, I ask your blessing upon each of our mothers, Father, the mothers that are here, maybe the mothers that have, have passed on, that you, will, that you will remind us, Father, of, of how much they mean to each of us and, and that you will bless each of them, Father. Forgive us when we sin. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Chris has asked me this morning to read from Psalm chapter 57, verses 1 through 3. Psalm 57, 1 through 3. Be gracious to me, O God, be gracious to me, for my soul take, takes refuge in you, and in the shadow of your wings I will take refuge until destruction passes by. I will cry to God most high, to God who accomplishes all things for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He reproaches him who tramples upon me. God will send forth his loving kindness and his truth. Next hymn this morning, number 511, Oft We Come Together, 511. <clears throat> Oh. 
morning as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper, I'd like to start with reading two verses. First one's from Luke chapter 24, verse 46. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Also from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. So we start looking at the ways Christ suffered. He suffered in three different ways. First of all, he suffered loss, loss of his possessions. In John 17, verse 5, it talks about how he gave up glory. and also talks about how he gave his life. Christ also suffered distress. Matthew's chapter 26 and 27, we read about how he was despised and rejected. He was forsaken by his friends. He was betrayed, how he dreaded the cross, and how he died with criminals. Christ also suffered pain. He was scourged. He had to bear the cross, and he was crucified. But why did he have to suffer? The first reason he had to suffer was he had to fulfill the words of the prophets. Acts chapter 3, verse 18, we read, But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has fulfilled. He also suffered to do God's will. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7, Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. And finally, he suffered for us, for the remission of our sins. As we gather here this morning, let us think back to the suffering that Christ endured for us. Would you bow with me as I give thanks for the bread? Father in heaven, we're thankful for this day, Father. We're thankful for this opportunity we have to gather around this table, Father, to remember the suffering that Christ so willingly did for us. Be with us as we partake of this bread, Father, as it represents his body. And it's through Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
you bow with me again, please? Father, we come to you once again, Father, thanking you for this opportunity we have to gather around this table. Be with us, Father, as we partake of this fruit of the vine, which represents the blood that Christ shed so willingly for us. Thank you for everything you do for us. It's through Jesus' name I pray. Amen. That concludes the Lord's Supper. While the ushers are still on the floor, we'd like to take this opportunity to take up the offering. Uh, yesterday, we participated in the uh, postal food drive and pulled in quite a bit of uh, food. But one thing I noticed, uh, we've noticed over the last few years, is how it's kind of decreased every year. 
of let's not lose that giving attitude that we have that we're actually required through the Bible to participate in. Uh, keep that in your thoughts as we uh, get ready to take up our offering here. Would you bow with me, please? Father in heaven, I thank you for this day, Father, and I thank you for this opportunity we have to give back a portion of what we've earned, Father, to help better your kingdom. Be with us, Father. Help us to be cheerful givers. Be with this money. Be with the elders that they appropriate it properly. And through Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's all please stand. We'll sing hymn number 836, The Great Redeemer. <clears throat> so at this time, the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. 836. How I love our great Redeemer, who has done him so much for me. With my joy, I That is why I 
presentation here for this morning, number 701. 701. Tomorrow may be too late. Brother Chris. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers. Uh, we cherish you and praise you at every opportunity. Um, this morning we are in Psalm 57. I'm kind of switching things up a little bit this morning, this year. Uh, we're not going to do the traditional Mother's Day lesson, I guess. But from now until the next several weeks, we're going to talk about the family. So maybe some of the things we talk about throughout this series will be helpful for you uh, as you try to lead your families in ways that please God. Our theme this year is unstoppable. We're talking through the book of Acts, so we're going to put a, uh, take a small break from that during this series, but we're calling this Unstoppable Families. Uh, and so we're going to go through several of the Psalms this year, or this throughout this series. Uh, but today we're starting in Psalm chapter 57. It was April 14th. 1912, when uh, a big, in fact, the biggest ship to this date has set sail across the Atlantic. It's received word that they're running into an area known for icebergs. The captain slightly alters the ship's course, but he doesn't slow the ship down. They're going 22 knots. So he alters course, but he doesn't slow the ship down. A couple hours later, another ship sends a message telling them there are icebergs in the very water that they're headed toward. The message never makes it to the bridge. An hour later, the ship that's in front of Titanic sends a message back saying they've had to stop because they're surrounded by icebergs. They're scolded, actually scolded for interrupt, interrupting Titanic's night. They're not terribly worried about icebergs because unlike every other ship to ever have been built up until this point, Titanic has... 16 rooms that you can lock away. They're watertight. Uh, and as long as not more than four of them flood, it won't affect the ship's buoyancy. What the ship doesn't know, what the captain doesn't know, what really no one knows besides the engineer who made the ship, these rooms aren't watertight. They forgot to cap uh, the top of the walls, and so they are not watertight. There are a couple guys in the crow's nest, of course. It's their job to watch for icebergs, but they don't have any binoculars. They've been misplaced, and so finding the iceberg is next to impossible. They hit the iceberg and very quickly come to realize that Titanic, Titanic will sink. They start loading people into the rafts, but they're not filling them full. They have the seating capacity for 65 people, but the first one goes out with only 27 people in it. They are going light on the, on the life rafts because no one tested them. At least they didn't know that no one tested them. They've been tested, but the ship's crew doesn't know that they've been tested. And so they are concerned that they're not going to hold their full capacity. So they send them out with a quarter, nearly a quarter of that capacity. Titanic held 2,200 people. 1,500 of them will die tonight. That's 68% of the total capacity of the ship that dies in a single night, all because they didn't expect an iceberg to be able to damage the ship. Had they expected trouble, they could have been so much better prepared. If you don't expect storms to come in your life, you're going to founder too. They're coming. Storms happen to all of us. And Psalm 57 helps us figure out what to do when we're in the midst of trials. 
So today we're talking about unstoppable families persevering through trials. So if you've got your Bibles, let's open them up to Psalm chapter 57. Chad read the first couple of verses there to you. I'm going to focus in on the first verse again though. Psalm chapter 57 verse 1. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in, my, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. He just makes the assumption that storms are coming. That you're going to be at some point in your life in such a significant storm that it's next to breaking you. David is the supposed author of this psalm. You'll see that in the superscription uh, above Psalm 57. Those are not inspired, but they are old, and so they're likely to be um, true. And so most people agree that David probably wrote this psalm. The superscription also has it uh, that he wrote this psalm while he was in the cave running from King Saul. This is, there's a 10-year period in David's life where he's on the run from the guy that ought to be praising him. Um, the guy that he's been fighting for, uh, risked his life for on multiple occasions, is now chasing him because Saul knows that David is the next king of Israel. And so David knows what it's like to be in a storm, certainly. And he's reminding us that these things are coming. You, you need to be prepared for it because surprised people don't always make the best decisions, do we? You know that, right? Uh, Mike Tyson is famous for the line, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. He said that in the, the fight previous to Evander Holyfield, and he lost that, that match. He lost, in fact, both matches against Evander Holyfield. Um, so his plan dissolved as soon as the fight happened. He wasn't prepared. And if we're not prepared for storms, we're going to struggle too. Storms are hard, and so we struggle anyhow. But... If you're not prepared, they can provide more pain than is necessary and perhaps more pain than you can bear. And so we need to realize storms are coming. They're, they're just going to happen. There's going to be seasons in your life where you get a diagnosis or, or your friend or your loved one gets a diagnosis. There's going to be seasons in your life where you lose a job, where you get a divorce, where bad things happen, where setbacks occur. These things these things will happen. Life isn't fair. Storms come. We need to expect them. The second part of the verse tells us what to do when they come. I will take refuge in you. This idea that the under his wings, it's kind of the, the he comes, he, he uses this analogy an awful lot throughout the Old Testament, especially, and especially in Psalms. It, it seems to be one of his more favorite illustrations for how he protects us, like uh, a mother bird almost gathering uh, the, the little ones, her, her babies, underneath her wing. He's, he's protecting us underneath that wing. But when storms come, again, they will come, so you need to be prepared for them. Sometimes we think life, life is fair. We live in a broken world. Life's not fair. Awful, terrible things happen to us. And so we need to be prepared for them when they come. So when they come, we learn to take refuge in Him. If you've got your Bibles, look at Psalm 57. Look again at verse 1. He does something interesting here. For in you 
my soul takes refuge. That, that's in the past. That's a decision that the psalmist David, that's a decision that he has made in the past. It, it's in the past tense. Uh, in, in the Hebrew there, he's, he's saying that this is a decision I made in the past. I thought it was a good decision. I, I thought that you were going to take care of me. I trusted in you. There's no other options, really. I, I don't know where else to go. I don't know where else is a steadfast place, a safe place for me to hide if it's not in you. And so back then, I trusted in you. I, I put my trust in you. I took refuge in you. It's a, it's a past tense thing but keep reading verse one in the shadow of your wings I will take refuge that's that's present and future tense right and so he's he's almost looking back saying back in the day I thought this was a good idea to take refuge in you now that I'm in the middle of this terrible storm I still think it's a good idea I'm still going to stay right here there's nowhere else to go I take refuge in you and so while often when we're in the middle of a storm, our knee-jerk reaction might be to pull away. He says, don't, don't pull away from God. Now's the time to lean in to Him. Now's the time to take refuge in Him even farther. Turn to Mark chapter 4. There's, there's a beautiful image here uh, that Mark records for us in Mark chapter 4 that you probably need to grab a hold of. Mark chapter 4. There's no better or safer place to be in storms than with God. This is pictured perfectly in Jesus' calming of a storm. The disciples are terrified as we get in storms. We're all terrified, right? Every storm you've ever walked through, it's either been panic or, or fear or anger, right? These are all emotions that we experience in the middle of storms. The disciples are right there in the middle of a literal storm that has caused a spiritual storm. How often does that happen, right? You get the diagnosis, something happens, a physical setback occurs, and it causes a spiritual storm. That's what they're in the middle of, and they're panicking. Check out what happens in Mark chapter 4 verse 35. On that day when evening had come he said to them let us go across to the other side and leaving the crowd they took him with them in the boat just as he was and there are other boats with him. Mark's or Matthew's gospel says that they followed him. They followed him right into the boat. <coughs> That's interesting. I'll tell you why in just a sec. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up, and they said to him, and, and you've said this, I know you have, in the middle of a storm of your own. Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Don't you care that, I'm, that we're dying? Right? Have you been there in the middle of one of your own storms, where you question God's goodness? That, that's essentially what they're doing here, right? And we've all done that. We've all been in that season of a trial where we question his goodness. Don't you even care? Because it doesn't feel like you care. 
keep walking through this idea with me. Maybe you're in a storm right now because you're following Jesus. That's, that's why they're in this storm. Had they not followed him, they wouldn't be in this storm. They'd be back on land, right? But they decided to follow him into the boat. And so they, they're in, literally and metaphorically in the same boat as Jesus. When we're, on the, when we're in the same boat as Jesus, when we're on the same page as Jesus, when we agree with him, when we live our lives with him, storms come. Storms will come if you don't live your life with him, but extra storms come if you live your life with him. The only difference is we now have someone to take refuge in, someone to protect us from the storm, someone to deliver us from the storm. Here's how this one ends. In verse 40, he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who is this? Who, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? You see, he calmed the storm. Literally, peace be still and the waves and the wind stopped. But also, metaphorically, the spiritual storm that they're going through, them taking refuge in him, calmed that storm in them. The trust that they had in him stopped that storm. It'll stop our storms too. Flip back over to Psalm 57. Look in verse 3. He will sin from heaven and save me. He will put to, he will put to shame him who tramples on me. Selah. Don't, don't skip over Selah. That, that little word S-E-L-A-H that you see in your, in your scripture there. That's inspired. God put that there. And so what's it mean? Well, it means that you need to stop and pause. Every time you see Selah, it's a big red stop sign. You need to stop and think because he knows that the concept that he's talking about, you might just rush past it and you might not see this important concept. And so he's put this word in there. It's a notation for the musicians because there would have been a pause in the music. <coughs> but it's also inspired Right, And so we, as we read through this text, have to stop. We have to pause so that we can understand the concept that he's trying to get across to us. So let's pause right here for just a minute and figure out what he's talking about. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will deliver you from this storm. That's, that's the word Psalms has for you. That's what Psalms wants you to know. This storm that you're currently in, God will deliver you. He will come through. He's in your corner, right? He's rooting for you. He's on your side. In the midst of this storm that you're in, He will deliver you. He will come through. Without a doubt, right? That's what Psalms says. The rest of Scripture, this is the Selah part. Because that part that we just talked about they would have understood that. I think that that would, have, that would have come through for them very quickly, like it does for us. We, we all believe that God is on our, in our corner, right? We all believe that he's going to deliver us. We believe that. The Selah part comes in in the rest of Scripture. The Psalms teaches you that God will come through for you, that he will deliver you, that he's in your corner, that he fights for you. 
That's bedrock truth. That's what Psalms teaches you. The rest of the Bible teaches you that it's okay. It's got to be okay if that deliverance doesn't come here. That's the hard pill to swallow. That's the pill that you look at um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they're about to be tossed into the fiery furnace. That's, that's what they've come to understand. They're in the midst of their very own storm, right? And they have the possibility, they have the opportunity to stop this storm on their own. But they've already taken refuge in God. And He's a much safer spot for them than they are for them. He's better to them than they are for themselves. He's a better protector of them than they can protect themselves. And so they look at the king who has authority over whether they live and die, he thinks, and they say, well, we're not bowing down to this image. And even if God doesn't save us, we still wouldn't have bowed down to your image. Even if when you throw us in the fire, our skin is burns up and we die. Even if we knew that now, we would still make the exact same decision because I'm safer with him than I am on my own. Psalms teaches us that you have to expect the deliverance to come from God. That's what it means to trust in him. That's what it means to, to, to take refuge in him. That I believe that he's going to come through for me in the middle of my storm. That he's going to make it right. The rest of scripture teaches me that if he doesn't, I'm still okay. Because I believe the other bedrock truth here, that he's good. That's something we have to contemplate. That's something we have to meditate on. Um, check out the rest of this verse, right after Selah. It says, God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. We have to take some time to think through God's goodness. We have to meditate on this, this principle. So let's, let's do that for just a second. Stop and think about what it means that God is good. In Luke 18, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, Good teacher. And it's almost like Jesus stops him right there. He's got more to his question, more to his statement. But Jesus fixates on this idea of good teacher. And so he says, what, what is it? Why do you call me good? No one's good but God alone. And so, <coughs> excuse me. So what's this idea of goodness mean? How is God good? What, what exactly does that mean? It's hard for us to wrap our minds around because we use good in a variety of circumstances, right? That hot dog I ate was good. What do I mean by that? Well, I've had several hot dogs and that one was one of the better ones, right? My lawnmower is good. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's useful. It, it actually does its job, right? So when we say God is good, it's not like he's comparably better than the alternatives. When we say that he's good, it's not that he's useful to us in some way. So what do we mean when we say he, he's good? Well, he's qualitatively good, um, immutably good. 
Um, it, it, it can't, his goodness can't change. You can't, you can't add to the goodness in him. You couldn't take away from the goodness in him. Percentage-wise, he's all good. There's nothing bad in him. There's no, there's no mixture uh, of, of, of badness or anything less than good in him. We mean to say that when we say that he's good, what we mean is that he's been overly generous to us, even though our relationship with us doesn't benefit him at all. He's been overly generous to us, even though our relationship with us doesn't, gen- doesn't help him at all. That's what it means that he's good. It takes time for us to walk through that idea. But in the midst of our storms, I think Psalm 57 teaches us that you need time to meditate. You need to take the time to think through what it means that he's good. Because often in the middle of our storms, that's our knee-jerk reaction. Like the apostles in the storm, don't you even care? Yeah, I do care. And he's right in the middle of that storm with us. Sheltering us, protecting us, coming through for us. He's good. What else does he say in chapter 57, verse 4? This is, this is the most amazing verse, I think. He says, my soul is in the midst of lions. I lie, I lie down amid fiery beasts. I don't know if I've ever said this word in a sermon before. I've never heard this word in a sermon before. But have you seen the movie Sharknado? <laughs> I've never seen it. But the image sticks in my head of this terrible, like catastrophic storm, right? It's not just a tornado. I've been, I've been through tornadoes. It's, and they're terrible and catastrophic. But this thing has got sharks flying around it and it's got water. and It's just all, it's the worst possible scenario you could find yourself in, right? There's nothing worse than this unless you throw fire in maybe. Uh, so this, this concept of the worst possible catastrophic thing has happened to you, that's exactly what Dave, uh, David's saying here in the, in the Psalms. He says, I've been thrown into a den of lions and there's fiery beasts all around me. He's in his very own Sharknado. It's a silly example, but I, th- I think it sticks. But keep on reading. The image gets worse. The children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp words. The, it's not just the lions and the fiery beasts that have surrounded him. He's also surrounded by, by warriors. But these guys aren't holding swords. It's their teeth are spears and arrows and their tongues are swords. This is a terrifying scene, right? He's in the worst possible situation that he could possibly be in. It would be nice to be able to protect our families from that situation, wouldn't it? I think that's what we all want. Our hearts long to be able to protect our our kids, our spouses from those types of storms. But the reality is we can't. The storms come for, for all of us. So the only thing for us to do, since we can't protect our families from them, is to prepare our families for them. 
So what do we do in these storms? What's the preparation? Psalm 57, verse 5, I think has the preparation. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Psalms teach us to praise God in the middle of our storms. Job did that, right? When he's lost his family, when he's lost his fortune. What's he do? Job 1, 20 and 22, right? Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's, he's given and he's taken away. I'll worship him anyhow. In the midst of his storm, he does that. I think that's important in the midst of our storms too, to take a moment to praise him. But Psalms also teaches us to take this long view. You're not just praising him in the middle of this storm. You're looking past the storm, expecting the deliverance, knowing that one day this will be over. This, this current storm you're in is not going to last forever. It'll be over. This too shall pass. And so you're looking on down the line. Even if on down the line is into eternity. You're looking past this storm. Knowing that he's good. And that even if I don't get out of this storm. On this side of eternity. I will one day. Because this light. Momentary affliction. How Paul put it in 1 Corinthians. Is gaining me an eternal weight of glory. Storms change us. And if you take refuge in him, they can change you for the better. If you try to take refuge in yourself, they'll change you for the worse. You need to prepare for storms. They're going to happen. They're coming. The only way to deal with them in a God-honoring way is to prepare your families for them. Uh, Check out what he says in the rest of Psalm 57. They set a net. For my steps, these, these fiery beasts, the lions, the people that are attacking them, they've tried to trap David. He says, they dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. And there's that word selah again. So you have to stop and you have to think, look, what's, what's he trying to do here? Well, he's trying to get you to see that evil people back up. Sometimes our storms happen because of other people, right? It, it's not just uh, a natural catastrophe or our own devices that have brought ruin to us. Sometimes those things happen because of other people, and that's the kind of storm that David's in. His storm has happened because of Saul's sin. And so maybe you're in a storm like that one where someone else has tried to hurt you. <coughs> David says, <coughs> and this is, again, the long view here. He says... You need to look past this storm and know that they're actually going to be trapped themselves. They're the ones who are going to fall in this trap. And so you do what's right. You do what's right. You keep on living righteously. You live passionately for God. You do what's right. And you let the chips fall where they may. Because ultimately, God's going to take vengeance on them. If they don't fall in their own trap here, there's coming a day when they will on the day of judgment. So you avoid that trap at all costs. And the way you do that is to live righteously here. You do what's right. Listen to verse 7. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. 
Yeah, he, he, he wakes up the, the morning. He wakes up the sunset by coming to worship God because his heart is immovable. He's not leaving. He's in the same boat with God because it's the only safe place. In the midst of trials, it's the only safe spot. I'm with him. And I'm not leaving. I know that storms are coming. I, I know how to prepare now. And so I, I'm here. I'm here for it. Verse 9, he says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Psalms teach us to praise when the storm is up are over but they also teach us to praise while the storm is going on right in the middle of your storm you need to be praising him and because we've taken this long view we are positive his faithfulness is coming the the the, the deliverance will happen he will come through whether it's right now or whether it's in eternity Either way is fine. Because we trust and know that he is good. It takes an awful lot of meditation. It takes an awful lot of uh, thinking through and reading scripture. Time spent with him to see his goodness. But we know evil will not win and cannot win. We know his glory will be over all the earth. We have to anticipate the storm so we're not surprised because surprised people make bad decisions. So we anticipate the storm, but we also need to anticipate the deliverance so that we don't despair, right? We need to anticipate the deliverance so that our hearts aren't broken in the midst of this storm while we praise, while we trust, while we hide in the shadow of his wings. Unstoppable families persevere through trials. That's what we do. I think Psalm 57 helps us in that regard. This morning, if you're looking for deliverance, the only path that is available is through Christ. Once you get into him through the power of baptism, he has your sins washed away, and you become a brand new creation, part of his family. This morning, if you've already made that decision, you're struggling. Trials have, have tripped you up. And, and you need the prayers of this congregation. We want to pray for you and with you that you can be absolutely everything that God would have you to be. If you have any need this morning, why don't you come as we stand and sing.
Good morning, church family. Hope everybody's doing all right, and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers uh, that are here this morning. Uh, you know, one thing I've learned over the years, what um, if you've ever wondered what every mother wants, every mother wants their son or daughter to go to heaven. That's number one. That's the, the one thing they want in life is their children to go to heaven. And being here this morning is saying, telling your mother that that's where you want to go to. So um, that's one thing you always do for your mom. Um, speaking of Mother's Day, there's also flowers out in the foyer. Um, so this is for all mothers, grandmothers. Um, maybe you've been a mother figure to somebody in some young kid's life. Please grab a flower on your way out. Um, you, you richly deserve it. Uh, thank you for all, all y'all do. A um, couple announcements. Um, the youth group committee has worked on a summer calendar. Summer uh, school's almost over, and uh, so the activities are starting, but there's a calendar out in the foyer table. Uh, please grab one. There's also sign-up sheets on the foyer board for the youth activities going on. Um, you have uh, a youth group outing on the 27th. Uh, going to Carter Caves. Uh, sign up for that if you plan on going to that. Also, Vacation Bible School is going to be here before you know it. That's June 4th through the 8th. And also, uh, if you're planning on going to camp, today is the last day to sign up for camp. Um, so if you have a child going to camp, and that's in, not to sign up, but you can sign up anytime, but today's the last day to get a $20 discount. Uh, so I uh, do suggest you doing that uh, today. Um, also, uh, May 20th, next uh, Saturday, is the Hometown Love at the Fairgrounds. Um, we're sti still needing volunteers for that. If you can help volunteer uh, for that, please see Chris. Um, also, next Sunday, uh, Sunday evening, our, we'll have our senior reception here at the building. Um, so that, that's always a fun time. And also, uh, Sunday morning, Life Group 1, that's Rick and Chad's Life Group, will be meeting after uh, services Sunday morning. Uh, for their monthly meeting. Um, also, the mowing schedule is out on the bulletin board. We are desperately needing people to cut grass uh, this summer. If you can help out with that, please uh, sign up on the bulletin board. Uh, we provide the mowers, the gas. We provide everything for you. Um, uh, if you have any questions, please see Greg Sullivan. Um, and teachers are needed for the summer quarter for June through August. If you can help out teach, uh, please uh, see Connie Miller. Um, if you can help out with that. Um, also remember at this time, remember the Wheeler family and your prayers. Uh, Danny Wheeler passed away Thursday morning um, with hospice. Uh, remember and continue to keep uh, Gordon and Linda in your prayers. The funeral will be held at Chapman's. On visitation will be this coming Monday, 
from 3 to 4, and the memorial service will be at 4 o'clock. So um, uh, remember that family in your prayers at this time. Remember, continue to keep the Wilgus, Jim, Jimmy Wilgus, Terry Leap, and Jim Haney and Amber Spitzer in your prayers at this time as well as they deal with their cancer, and keep uh, Sean uh, Menard in your prayers as well. Uh, that's all the announcements I have. Looking forward to seeing everybody again this evening at 6 o'clock. Um, we'll have 6 o'clock service, and um, we'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Let's please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 547, Rejoice the Lord is King. We'll sing the first and last verse, and then Brother Casey Baker will have a prayer. 547. Rejoice, my Lord is King, your Lord and King, our Lord. Rejoice with thanks and sing and Let us pray. Father, we come to you this morning, grateful for this assembly, Father, and the, your word, Father, and the lessons we've heard from it. Father, we, we pray that we can take Chris's lesson and, and remember that you are the refuge in the storm, Father, and, and that as that storm changes and, and intensifies during our lives, Father, we know we can always turn to you for, for comfort. And we pray that our faith is strong enough to know that you will always be there, Father, and that we're not tempted and, and distracted by those parts of, of the world and of life that, that would lead us away from you. Father, we say a special prayer for our mothers this morning. Father, thank you for them. Thank you for the love that they've given to each of us and the life they've given to each of us, Father. And we pray, uh, we thank you for the everlasting life that, that you give to us through your grace and salvation of Jesus. Father, we pray for the Wheeler family, the loss of, of Danny, be with them and comfort them. We pray that you be with the Leap family, Father, as, as Terry is, is being comforted with, with the care that, that he's receiving, Father. Be with each and every one of us throughout the, the next week, Father, throughout our lives, Father. Watch over us and keep us safe. Forgive us when we sin, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>